0: Um, that is like one of the best introductions I've ever gotten. That is, I was like, "This is your life." It's like, well, thank you so much. Right. I love that, and I just want to start by saying thank you so much to everyone who's come out today. Um, I mean, this is like this is your life because I've just I'm seeing so many familiar faces and got my sweet group from Outlook Elementary here, the moms here, and my sister-in-law Margaret Cubison over here, and my friend Ashley and. My friend Greta, and my my very best friends from growing up, we met each other in, what, eighth grade, um, when we both had really unfortunate hair. Um, and then sweet Donna Green has been such a mentor to me. And she, I write about her in my book, too. So thank you to all of you. And um, thank you to Deborah Layton and to Mary Morris and everybody else who's put this event together. Because I'm very excited to be here and just appreciate the opportunity to share my message with, um, with all of you in person. Uh, as as uh, Miriam said, my name is Carrie Campacus and I'm a um, Mountwork mom of four girls. My daughters are ages 12, 10, 8, and 5. So I know in your head a lot of people are saying, pledge your heart, because I get that a lot. like Poor thing, but, um, but I love it. They keep me on my toes, but it's been fun. And I'm also a writer. I um, have a column in two papers, Village Living and 280 Living. And then I have a blog, and then um, three months ago just released my first book for teen and Twin girls. It's back there on the table if anybody wants to get a copy um, later on today. So anyway, like like uh, Miriam said, my topic today is listening to God's call in your life, and I just want to start by getting a quick show of hands to see um, who has ever lost their cell phone in their home before and had to call themselves <laughs> to find their cell. Okay, good. Okay. So um, I do this a lot. I actually did it yesterday. I couldn't find my phone. I had to call myself and walk around and find it. So you know, sometimes it's my fault and sometimes it's my kid's fault, but either way, it's kind of frustrating when I do that. But there was one time when I did that, I lost my phone in my house, and it led to one of those kind of aha moments about how God works in my life. And I include this story in my book um, in the last chapter about listening to God's call. But what happened was I was at my parents' beach house in Orange Beach several years ago, and my husband had taken the kids swimming so I could write in peace for a little bit. So I'd been writing for a while and realized I couldn't find my phone. So I started walking around the house calling it, and their house isn't that big, and I, just, I couldn't hear even a hint of a ring. So after calling it like 10 times, I started to get a little bit worried. And I remember that morning, I had been making sandwiches for the girls, so I thought, well, maybe I accidentally threw it away in the trash when I was making sandwiches because I've done that before. Y'all are going to think I'm really together after all these stories. <laughs> um, so anyway, I checked the trash can and my phone was not in the trash can either. So at this point, I really kind of started to get a little panicked because I was running out of options. And then it hit me. I just kind of sat still for a minute and just kind of prayed, where would my phone be? And it hit me. I was like, maybe if I get the house really, really still and quiet, I can hear better. And so I just I sat and listened for a minute, and I noticed the air conditioner was running. So I turned off the air conditioner, and it was amazing. All of a sudden, the house got really, really quiet and really still and much more quiet than it had been you know, five seconds before. So I knew that I was on the right track. So anyway, with the air conditioner off, I, um, I called my cell phone again, and I tried really hard to listen. And this time, I heard this just tiny, tiny faint ring, but it was so subtle that I was like questioning whether I was imagining it or not. Because the weirdest thing about this ring was that it was seemed to be coming from underneath the house. And my parents' beach house, um, several of you have been there before, it's built up. It's over a carport and a storage ring. And i would not been down in that area all morning. So There's no way my phone was down there. So I just dismissed the idea and I started calling my phone again. And every time I called it, it's like I heard this tiny, tiny faint <laughs> ring that seemed to be coming from underneath the house. And I knew it was a crazy idea. I knew there was no way it was down there mm-hmm. since I hadn't been down there all morning. But, you know, just because I had exhausted all my options and I was desperate, I was like, I'm just going to test out this possibility. So I walk outside my parents' beach house, just so glad I'm alone that nobody's seeing me do this, that I feel like an idiot, um, call myself again. And then this time, the cell phone, the call was really loud and clear. And it turned out I was right. The phone was underneath the house. And what had happened was I had thrown it away earlier that day when I'd been making sandwiches, (laughs) and someone had been taking that trash and put it downstairs with the rest of the trash. So, you know, as I'm sitting there, you know, digging my device out of the trash and laughing at myself and thinking, this is so typical, it it occurred to me that, you know what, this is kind of how God works in my life and maybe in your life too. Because, you know, we want his call and what he wants us to do, we want his call to be loud and clear and obvious. But so many times it's just faint and subtle. And, you know, sometimes we we think we hear something, but then we just dismiss the idea because it sounds crazy to us. You know, and we have to turn off all the background noise like I did with the air conditioner. We have to get really still and quiet and really try to listen hard. And, you know, we stay put instead of venturing out of our comfort zone because staying put feels so safe. You know, but when we're desperate enough, like I was, we will step outside our comfort zone and just see if that call that we hear is real. And once we do that, a lot of times that's when the call gets a lot louder and a lot more obvious. So, you know, if we open up our mind and our heart and our eyes and our ears to it, you know, we can start to detect God right under our nose and get a much clearer idea of what he is trying to lead us to. So, am I trying to suggest that God is leading all of us to the trash? No, of course not. You know, what I'm trying to suggest is that, you know, God is leading us to unexpected places. And a lot of times, he's leading us to venues and, you know, to projects or dreams that we might not ever have thought of on our own initiative. And if we open up our hearts to that, and if we trust those instincts we have, we can get a lot, you know, much clearer idea of what he is trying to lead us to. So that is all the background. Um, that's just the groundwork I've laid for um, my story that I'm going to tell now. And, you know, what I want to share now is just how God has worked in my life through my writing. And I'm going to, you know, kind of start with where I am at this point. And just work backward in time just to share some events that happened along the way that just kind of led to, to where I am now. Now, as, as we said, um, three months ago, I just released my first book for teen and twin girls. It's a huge dream come true for me and something I've been very excited about. And, um, you know, Thomas Nelson is a publisher, the one of the largest Christian publishers in the world. So it's just been a great opportunity and something I've dreamed about and prayed about for a long time. But, you know, one of the best things about having the book released is that I finally feel like I'm more on the right track with what God wants me to be doing with my gifts and my talents and my resources just in my writing. And I've not felt that way in a lot of my writing career. Um, Because as I look back, I felt like there were a number of years I was kind of working hard but maybe channeling my efforts in the wrong direction. And it's a little bit obvious, more obvious to me now um, than it was to me then. So as I look back at those years where I wasn't really totally on the right track, you know, I don't consider them a waste of time because I think it all plays into the story, just like anything we do in life. But I can say, you know now that I feel like I'm more on the path that I'm supposed to be on, it is so much easier to hear God's call in my life. And I'm also seeing you know doors open that didn't open before, and opportunities come about, and just people come into my life. and And it's just been so neat with this book, just the way I mean, I just see his fingerprints all over it, and just the people I'm meeting, even. you know, several times I've gone to talk out of town in a city, and you know the person has, has set it up, somebody that just reads my blog, and then it turns out it's the church of one of my best friends from college or high school, and I'm getting to reconnect with my friend, and those women are friends, and it's just things like that keep happening, and I know these aren't just a coincidence, it's just God working, and it's just been really neat to see you know, not only that, but also just like the girls who are reading the book and what's mm-hmm. happening in their hearts and the changes that are happening in their lives that, you know, it's not me doing it, it's God doing it. It's what the truth is doing for them. So, um, to tell you a little bit about my writing, I started writing about eight years ago when I was pregnant with my third child. And, uh, you know, I was one of those people that always said, I'm going to write a book one day, but I never read, you know. And, um, and so really, it just took me making a conscientious decision to sit down and start writing. And I started writing, you know, probably for several hours every night. And, you know, one of the reasons I did it was because I had small kids at the time. And I love my children, but it was a really hard phase. And my husband was commuting to Anniston every day and getting home late. And I was just, like, going crazy by the end of the day. So I really started writing kind of as my escape at night. That was like my me time just to kind of take my mind off motherhood and just, you know, put it onto something else. So I started writing at night. And, um, you know, after I started by writing essays about motherhood, which is where I ended up back writing again. But that was my initial, that's what I started doing initially. And after I wrote about 20 essays, I started querying agents because to get a book published, you pretty much need an agent to get your foot in the door. So I queried all these agents, and of course, when you start off, I'm sure writing like anything else. When you start off, you think you're, everything's great and it'll happen overnight, and of course, it doesn't. But um, all the agents I queried rejected me because, you know, one, my writing had a lot of room to improve, and two, I had no platform. And by platform, you know, in writing, you basically have to have a way to sell your book. A platform is very important. And the reason that celebrities get book deals is because they have that platform. They have that name recognition that people will automatically buy their book because they're familiar with them. So today, people can build platforms, you know, through social media by building a following on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. But when I started writing eight years ago, social media didn't exist. So I didn't really have a way to do that. So not able to get my foot in the door that way, I started writing fiction because fiction, you don't in fiction you don't need a platform. You know, if your book is good enough, a publisher will take you on even without you know readers that you're bringing to the table. Um, so anyway, writing fiction really just lit up a fire in me, and over the course of five years, I wrote three different novels, and um, you know they're all sitting on my computer. I don't know if they'll ever see the light of day, but they're there. And so you know, I love I love writing fiction, but it was you know it was it was hard to... But um, you know, I had a lot of bites with my fiction, you know, I had a lot of agents they you know, they request full manuscripts and partial manuscripts and I used to get so excited at first because I was like, Oh, this is great and then once I got, you know, rejected and let down, I stopped getting so excited with these <coughs> initial bites. Uh, and then I had this one agent after several years, she wanted me to um, she was so interested in this manuscript and I made it spent five months making revisions for her and I made major revisions and just certain she was going to take me on because she was so interested. But in the end she didn't want me either. So none of these agents wanted me, I was spending hours and hours a night, you know, working on this. And this is where I really started feeling stuck because, you know, it had been several years by this point, I'd invested so much time and energy into my writing and nothing was happening. And I just remember so many nights just praying and praying and just saying, you know, God, just give me some direction and let me know if I'm doing something wrong and just feeling like I just couldn't get any answers. And, um, and anyway, I was, like I said, it was just very discouraging. And, you know, writers are typically, we're sensitive types. You know, we're not like the thickest skinned people on earth. So, you know, it was very hard, you know, learning to take that rejection and not quitting because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to quit. But, you know, the one thing I could hear clearly from God was I was like, I knew that he would not give me such a passion for something and that he wouldn't give me the gift for it if there wasn't a reason. So, and I knew that, you know, there's nothing in my life that i would ever enjoyed as much as writing. So that's what kept me going for a while. And really, it was, um, it was three years into my writing journey when God opened that first door. And I just had my fourth baby and just resigned my fat, myself to the fact that I was going to have to put my writing dreams on a shelf for a while because I had all these little kids tugging at my skirt. And, um, you know, I was kind of sad about that, but I would accepted the fact that I would just have to, to wait a few years. And I remember being at home one day, and I got a call from my friend Jennifer Gray, And she said that, um, hey, this new newspaper is coming to Mountain Brook. I mean, I think we had like two months' notice. It was very, we didn't know anything about Village Living. She's like, it sounds really neat. Um, Yeah, I'm looking for columnists. I'm going to be the editor. Would you want a column? And so it was a perfect opportunity. And I jumped on it because, one, I knew this was a way to start building a platform. And then, two, it was a monthly column. So I was like, surely, you know, I can handle doing one column a month with four kids. So you know, after years of hiding my work on my computer and just sharing it with nobody, it was really weird to start, you know, sharing, it, seeing it out in public and having people say, "Oh, I read this," and you know, knowing these little private details about you that you're telling the world. But um, but it was really neat and it was really rewarding too. And um, you know what happened was as I started getting positive feedback from people and just, you know, when you write for your community, that is like the safest place to write for, you know, because people know you, they'll see you, and they'll just encourage you so well. So as people started encouraging me. And then really, more importantly than that, is people started sharing their stories back with me, and a lot of times it was people that I kind of knew a little bit and thought maybe we didn't have that much in common, but then they'd email me, and I'm like, wow, we have a lot more in common than I thought. And as, as, as that started happening, my writing kind of took on a new purpose, and as, although I was still writing fiction novels, that goal of getting published became a little bit less important because now I had more of an immediate goal, and that was you know, connecting with my neighbors and connecting with my community and trying to share messages that I thought would be relevant to other people. So, if any of you follow my newspaper column, I've been doing it, it'll be five years in April, and you may have noticed that it's gradually grown more spiritual over the years, and that's just a reflection of me and my life, and because I've grown more spiritual, and I hope five years from now and ten years from now I will say the same thing, that it keeps growing more spiritual. But you know, I'm 42 now, and there's just you know something about the stage of life that you just—I don't want to say you're more serious, but you definitely you care more about meaningful things, and you think more about life, and you think more about death, and just um, you know topics that aren't so topical, you know, and not not always pop culture type things. So you know, while my original goal with writing was more to entertain readers and appeal more maybe the mass culture, you know, my my goal slowly over time has been more to inspire people and to really just share messages that make people you know, sit and think or whatever. And I really think it was that switch to being more of an inspirational writer that started steering me more toward the path that I was supposed to be on. Because you know, the truth is like, I love funny people. I love to laugh and I just can sit and listen to somebody who's funny all day long. But um, humor isn't really my strength. And so I, was, I think the reason my fiction novels never went anywhere was because I was writing these romantic comedies when really I probably should have been writing inspirational fiction. So I can see it more clearly now that I was writing the wrong thing, but at the time I couldn't see that. So another guy, another door that got open for me, was um, it happened, let's see, three years ago. Although this time I thought I was doing a favor for a friend. Uh, my friend Stephanie Holcomb, who I met through my sister-in-law Margaret, she is a counselor at uh, Liberty Park Junior High. And she'd asked me to come speak to her 7th and 8th grade girls several years ago. So I was like, yeah, sure I'll do that. So we set up a day, and then soon after Stephanie and I set up that day, my my family had this huge oak tree fall in our house during the storm. My sweet neighbor Boo Woodall is here today. She was the first one in our house that night, <coughs> helping us out. So um, it was awful. It was crazy, and it caused this tree caused all this damage, and we had to move out for ten months and renovate, and all of this. So um, after the tree fell, I was just clearing my plate of things, and I was just trying to take off anything that I could because I was having to oversee all these renovations. And I almost canceled on Stephanie, but there was this this little voice inside me. I just felt like I needed to go speak to these girls. So, you know, I kept my word, and I went and spoke to her girls, and everything went well. So um, it was a year later. We were back in our house at this point, and the renovations were done. Everything was good, and Stephanie invited me to come back and speak again. So I took that same speech, and I tweaked it a little bit and added some stories, and I, um, I went back and I spoke again to her girls. And then it was six months after that, which takes us to July of 2013, where I needed, I needed a blog post. Because I just started trying to use um, my blog more to try to build more of an online audience. And it was the middle of the summer, I'd been with my kids, I didn't have time to create something new. And it, it occurred to me, I was like, hey, I have that speech I wrote for Stephanie's Girls. Maybe I can take that speech and put it into a blog post. So I tweaked the speech, made it into a blog post, and put it on my website. And so immediately what that article started doing was just unlike anything I'd ever written before. I just started getting, started getting shares like this, and like, Parents were emailing me, and youth leaders were emailing me, just thank you for this. I'm putting this in my daughter's um, her box where I keep all these you know, important articles I want her to read. And um, Anyway, just the feedback I was getting was unlike anything else, and I knew that this was a subject people were passionate about. So um, based on that, and just how, the, the, how well the blog post did, and how many shares it was getting, I knew that there was probably a market for a book. And I had it in my head. I was like, well, maybe I'll write a book a year from now, but right now I'm pitching my fiction work, write my little romantic comedy. And I need to keep focusing on that. And so, um, so I was like, I'll write that book in about a year. So I kept pitching my little fiction work. And then it was about um, it was two months later, after all that excitement had died down from the viral blog post and people had <coughs> moved on to other blog posts. It was, so it was September of 2013 when I'm looking at my email one day. And I had this uh, email in my inbox from that says, hello, from HarperCollins, Thomas Nelson Publishing, Christian Publishing. And I'm like, what? And I remember almost deleting it, thinking it was spam, you know? And it wasn't spam, so thank goodness I didn't delete it. But um, it was an acquisitions editor from Thomas Nelson who said that, you know, she'd seen the blog post, they loved it, thought I made excellent points, and they were interested in starting a conversation about turning it into a book. And I I found out later after we signed and everything that it turned out it had been 10 years since they'd had a book like that. So they were in the market for that book, which I think is just another God thing. You know, they were looking... To have a book like that written and just looking for a person to write it, so it was just such a, the timing of everything. I know that was all orchestrated by God, but you know. So anyway, so we started talking, and um, and it was just, it was just, I, I couldn't really believe it happened that way because my life never functions that way. Usually, when something good happens, it's because I've chased it or I've worked hard or whatever. And this just felt like it just fell in my lap. And obviously, it was a gift from God, and it was just, you know, that was the only way you could explain the way it happened. But you know, I didn't even have an agent at the time. And it was just, it was just neat. I just knew that this was what I'd been praying for all those years. So it took several months for the deal to go through. And um, again, my sweet sister-in-law Margaret and her husband Jack were my legal eagles, and so sweet and helpful and patient, and helped help make all the all that happen. But it went through, and um, my deadlines were really tight because this all happened last year, and they wanted the book to come out before Christmas. So I had basically a year to write a book, and edit, and have it ready for market. So it was crazy, but, um, but it's, it's good, and I'm so proud of how it turned out, and it's just been really fun to see what it's doing um, now in the lives of these girls. So, you know, I share all this backstory just to illustrate, you know, how God works in my life, and like I said, probably your life too. And, you know, even when he's quiet, and even when you think he's not listening, like I kind of felt all those years where I just felt so stuck, you know, he's spinning these wheels in motion behind the scenes to make things happen. And, you know, inside all of us is this really small voice that's just urging us to go do the next right thing. And sometimes what we're, that voice is telling us to do seems completely irrelevant or maybe completely random. You know, and I had one of those urges last week. I had a friend, I was like, I just had an urge to just call a friend. I didn't know why. And, um, and I'm, I'm terrible about calling friends. I don't call them as often as I should. But I almost didn't do it. And I was like, no, I'm going to. And I did. And as we were talking, I, she just kind of started breaking down and crying. And I was like, I knew that was God telling me. To call her because she just needed somebody to talk to. And so I've just really become a big believer in those little nudges. When you feel that little nudge to do something, to really trust that instinct. And so, like I said, you know, sometimes when we get those nudges or we hear that God voice that, you know, telling us to go do something, it seems irrelevant and it doesn't seem like, you know, we question whether or not we should do it. And, you know, and if you remember my story from the beginning of the talk, you know, when I heard that, that faint call coming from underneath my parents' beach house, I almost went to check on it, but then it was my sensible side that took over. It was my sensible side that said, no, there's no way that's happening. And so it was only when I trusted my instinct, even though it sounded crazy, that the call became loud and clear. So, you know, when I look at the book, you know, I think about, you know, if I had never, if I I'd, lo- I'd not listened to that voice telling me to go speak to Stephanie's girls, would, you know, would I have written the blog post that led to the book? Probably not. You know, and the reason I almost, you know, canceled on Stephanie was really not only because the tree fell and I was totally stressed, but there was a very selfish motive too because, you know, I was thinking, you know what, this is going to take an entire Friday. This was going on in my head when I was thinking about canceling and I knew she'd understand because she's so sweet, but I was like, you know, this will take an entire Friday. At the time I was writing for parents, you know, I was wanting great write books for parents, not girls, you know, um, I'm not writing for teenage girls, I'm writing for parents. And then I was like, these girls don't even live in my community, so it's not like we'll ever cross paths again. So those were the reasons that I was kind of justifying. Maybe I could just cancel. But, you know, had, had I not listened to that voice to go speak to those girls, you know, I wouldn't have written that speech. I wouldn't have written, written the blog post. And then I wouldn't have um, had that experience with the editor from Thomas Nelson. So as I said, you know, what I thought was a favor to a friend ultimately turned out to be, you know, an opportunity in disguise. And, you know, I just learned a big lesson about that's how God works so many times. It's just, you know, us doing the right thing, and then somehow everything will work out. So I think what's really important, what I've learned to keep in mind, and I think it's what's important for all of us to keep in mind, is just, you know, there are two kinds of plans in this world. And the older we get, you know, the more we understand that. But we have our people plans, and then we have God plans. And the plans that we employ as people to try to make things happen or make our dreams come true, which might be just, you know, work, you know, hustling to get noticed and connecting with the right people and setting these five year goals and 10 year goals and all these things, you know, those are not always God's methods. And while it's really important to work hard and just be ready when opportunity knocks, we also have to kind of sit still and trust and pray and just let God move. So, what I want to encourage everybody to do in here today is just You know, leave room in your life for God to surprise you and just know that, you know, He has has ways of fulfilling the desires in your heart through just the most unexpected channels. You know, and while it's important to be kind and compassionate to everybody just because that's the right thing to do and that's a Christ-like thing to do, you know, it's also important to do that because, you know, you don't want to burn any bridges or discount anyone because it's so often the people that you least expect that, you know, can hold an important key to your future. And I've really seen this happen with my book. Just people, you know, there's this girl in Tuscaloosa that I barely knew in high school. And she's like, I got the Barnes and Noble here to order 30 copies of your book. You know, just little things. I've had so many little instances like that. Just somebody that I just don't even know that well just doing some of the nicest things for me. And it's just, it's been so neat because you never know. Or somebody saying, I'm praying for you. Somebody I don't know that well. It's just, it's just you never know who God is using and who God, God is going to bring into your life to help, you know, help his story play out through you and to help you serve the purpose that he created you to serve, because we're also intertwined. You know, last January, um, another door opened that I, you know, I felt came from God, too, when um, a blog post I'd written went viral, and this one was called Raising a Kind Daughter. And this one did really well on my website, and I submitted it to the Huffington Post, and, and they accepted it. So what that did is it allowed me to become a Huffington Post blogger, so now I can share on there anytime I want. Um, so that was a great, you know, what was great about that door opening is not only that it let me expand my audience, you know, nationally and internationally, but the other good thing was the timing was helpful because it was right before my book came out. It prepared me for the fact that not everybody is going to like my messages about God, you know. And I've had mess- I've had, you know, stories on there that have done really well, but you know, there's always somebody, there's always people. She had me until God, you know. She had me until this, you know. Why do you bring the spiritual in here, you know? So. That was good, but that was good for me to see, though, because we live in the South, and in the South, these Christian messages are very embraced and accepted. But, you know, outside the South, that's not always the case. And, you know, and it's the same thing with the book. You know, while some people will love it for the Scripture and will praise it for the Scripture that I've included in there, there are a lot of people out there who want that same book that I've written and all the messages about how girls will be kind, kind friends, and all these same things, but they don't want any mention of God in there. You know, and what I had to decide with the, the book was, like, if I'm writing about the truth, I've got to write about God. You know, you got to take the, the truth the full way, So because the truth all leads back to God. But, um, you know, what I've learned as a Christian writer is that, you know, I just have to accept this, that I'm not going to please everybody, and that my book is not going to be for everybody, and that's fine. And, you know, I have to, feel, I have to find peace in just knowing that whatever message God has put on my heart, I've shared it. You know, and whoever it resonates with, then I can't control that. And, um, you know, and I think everybody has, you know, your own instances in your life where you just have to do what God is calling you to do. And you know that some people might not be happy with it or some people might want you to do it a different way. But if you truly feel like you're doing it the way that God is calling you to do it, then you can have peace with that. You know, I've also learned, you had to remember, too, that, you know, when it comes to building the kingdom of God, we might not have our payoff in this world, you know, and we might not see the results that we want. And I think that's that's hard to accept some days. Some days it's not so hard to accept and some days it is. Because all of us like to see results, you know, and all of us want our hard work rewarded. And all of us want these, you know, just tangible proof that the work we're doing and the time we're investing in something is paying off and that it's making an impact. And sometimes we get that. Like I said, sometimes if an article goes viral, then that's like my little reward. Like, yes, I'm on the right track. But sometimes an article I think that will go viral doesn't, you know, and I don't get that reward that I'm looking for. But like I said, as long as we're doing what we feel like God is calling us to do, you know, we have to trust in that and have peace in that. You know, and I, I think that the number one thing, this is my opinion, that keeps us back from living just courageously from God and really trusting that those calls and those, you know, what He's telling us to do, those calls He puts on our heart, the messages He puts on our heart, and the call that He gives us is just the fear of failure. You know, I think the fear of failure is just the number one thing, and I see it in adults and kids, you know, these young girls too. We just, we're all so scared to death to fail, and we, we're scared to put ourselves out there. And, you know, one of my big messages for these girls is, like, it's okay to fail because you look at any successful person, there's always failure as part of the story. And I think failure is part of the story, not the end of the story. That's the way I look at it. Because, you know, when I was, you know, I think about myself as a teenager in college, just I was such a perfectionist. And, you know, the thing about being that way and being so scared to fail is you're only going to stay in your safe zone, and you're only going to aim high enough to know this is a sure thing. There's no, you know, I, I know I can succeed at this. And I believe God wants us to aim higher than that, and he wants us to go higher than our safe zone, because that's where his grace kicks in. And, you know, when we reach the edge of our limits, that's where he can work through us and do his best work through the Holy Spirit. So I personally believe we have to kind of get over our fear of failure and really just trust what it is he's calling us to do, and trust these messages he puts on our heart. And if we do fail, there's still a purpose, for, you know, there's still some purpose to be found in that failure. There's still something good that can come from it. So Recently, I heard a speaker, and I love this. And she was talking about how the kingdom of God works, and how we all work together, and how it all, um, you know, is one big unit. And she said there are some people who plant the seeds, and then there are some people who water the seeds, and then there are people who harvest the fruit that those seeds produced. And you know, as you go back to your life today, I just want you to kind of think about what category you fall in, you know, or you want do you plant the seeds? As a writer, I feel like I kind of plant the seeds. I plant seeds. I have no control what happens from there, but I plant them. You know, you the one that plants the seeds. Do you water the seeds that have already been planted by other people? And I think the people like, you know, Miriam and Deborah, these people who are in the ministry, you know, they're great at watering these seeds. They take the seeds I planted and the seeds of all these different things, and they just do great things with it, plant events and do all this hard work, you know, and then harvesting the fruit that the seeds produce. So think about where it is, you know, what it is that you do best. And also think about how God wants to use you with the talents and the resources and the opportunities that he gives you. Because you know, all, of, all of you and all of us have you know, just connections you have or opportunities that you have in your life. You know, the reason God gives you those is because he wants you to use it for his glory and to do something with that call that he's put on your heart. So you know, I don't know what season of life everybody's in right now, but I do know that God wants to use every woman in this room. And you know, whether you're staying home with children or building a business, or um, you know, taking care of parents, or volunteering at school, lots of time and energy, or volunteering at church, or you know, basically just trying to keep your head above water every single day, you know, he wants all of us to make our life our ministry. And you know, he wants us to influence just everybody we come in contact with, whether it's the people we love, and the people we don't love, and the people that we just um, pass by every day. He wants us to, to influence those in our sphere, in our circle. So you know, the most important contribution anyone can make to another person's life is to inspire their walk, their walk with God, and that's something that's really hit me more and more the older I get. That you know, that is the best gift we could give to anyone is to inspire their walk with God and help them just grow a little bit closer to God. Um, because I can't even name all the people that have done that for me, you know. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter. We're talking about failure. It doesn't matter if we fail at everything we do in life if we help lead just, you know, one soul, whether it's our children or our husband or a friend, anybody, just help lead one soul to salvation, I mean, that is the most remarkable thing we can do with our life. So, you know, God is calling all of us to live a life for Him, and He's calling all of us to use our talents and our resources for Him. And I share this with my daughters all the time, that, you know, when you have talents, God gives you these talents, and you can use them for good, or you can use them for harm, you know. You can use it for good or for evil. You know, we all have a choice, but He wants all of us to use the talents he's given us and the resources for his good. And, you know, if we pray and pay attention and just really open our eyes and our ears to the things that he's um, doing for us and doing in our life, you know, he will reveal himself. And I think that listening to God is really a matter of, you know, knowing the Bible and knowing what he says about in the Bible and knowing the truth and then listening to those God nudges that we get and those things that just tell us to do the next right thing. And just and really, you know, whether we're hearing his call for us, you know, clearly, I think in some seasons of life we hear it clearly. Some seasons of life we feel like he's just absent, you know, he's still there, but we just don't hear it so clearly. But however we're hearing his call, I think it all boils down to trust. And you know, it's basically you know, trust that he's a plan for every one of us. Trust that he works everything together for good, even our heartaches and our disappointments for those who love him. Trust that in his perfect timing the right doors will open and not a moment sooner and trust that when we do listen to that small voice urging us to do the next right thing, it's going to lead us closer to God. And when we do find the path that God's intended for us, you know, I think we know it, you know, not because the path is clear and obstacle free and there's no more stress or worries because there's always you're always going to have problems, but because you have peace, you know? And I think also as you, when you, we get on the path that God is intending for us, we have peace and we have a stronger awareness of God. And you, we have that sense that we're getting closer to Him and all of a sudden we start noticing his work in our life like we've never really noticed it before. So, um, you know, if, if you ask me that's what a happy life looks like, you know, I think our deepest, our deepest you know, craving is just serenity. And, you know, once you, you experience that inner serenity, there's no earthly success that can compare to that. You know, just that serenity of knowing we have pleased God and that we are doing the right thing in his eyes. And it doesn't matter what's going on, you know, what the results are, what anybody else is thinking about it. Um, you know, we are all created to, to know and love and serve God. And I really believe it's in that process of like following our call from Him and, you know, drawing closer to Him. That is what allows us to not only get to know Him better, but also to love Him better. And it says our, our heart starts growing for God. As we grow, you know, our heart grows bigger and wider and deeper for Him. That's where we start finding our real purpose and our real place and our real sense of belonging in the kingdom that we're helping to build. So that is all I brought to talk about today. (laughs) But um, if we want to open it up for a few questions, I'm happy to do that.